Chapter thirty seven of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty seven. Mark accepts a disagreeable duty. Vincent had his misgivings as he walked towards Camden Hill that at such a period of the London season his journey would most probably be a fruitless one. But as he approached the house, he found one or two carriages waiting outside, the horses troubling the hot afternoon stillness with the sharp clinking of harness as they tossed their impatient heads and by the time he had reached the gate the clatter of china and the sustained chorus of female voices coming through the open windows made it plain enough that mabel was at home in a sense that was only one degree less disappointing than what he had dreaded he was almost inclined to turn back or pass on for he was feeling ill and weak the heat had brought on a slight tendency to the faintness which still reminded him occasionally of his long prostration in ceylon and he had a nervous disinclination just then to meet a host of strangers the desire to see mabel again prevailed however and he went in the pretty double drawing-room was full of people and as every one seemed to be talking at once vincent's name was merely an unimportant contribution to the general hubbub he saw no one he knew he was almost the only man there and for a time found himself penned up in a corner reduced to wait patiently until mabel should discover him in a cool half-light which filtered through the lowered sunblinds he followed her graceful figure with his eyes as often as it became visible through the crowd it was easy to see that she was happy her smile was as frank and gay as ever the knowledge of this should have consoled him he had expected it to do so and yet to tell the truth it was not without its bitterness mabel had been his ideal of women his fair and peerless queen and it pained him as it had pained unsuccessful lovers before to think that she could contentedly accept pinchbeck for gold it was inconsistent on his part since he had sacrificed much for the very object of concealing from her the baseness of mark's metal he forgot too the alchemy of love but one cannot be always consistent and this inconsistency of vincent's was of that involuntary and mental kind which is not translated into action she saw him at last and welcomed him with an eager impulsiveness for she knew now that she had been unjust to him at laufingen they talked for some minutes until vincent said at last i hear you are going to play beaumel oh yes said mabel isn't it presumption but mrs featherstone you've met her once or twice at our house you know mrs featherstone would not hear of my refusing mark i believe thinks the part hardly suited to me but i mean to try and astonish him and though i may not carry out his own idea i love beaumel in the book so much that i ought not to be quite a failure in the play no you will not fail said vincent and dared not say more on that point i i should very much like to see this play he said a little awkwardly could it be managed i will try said mabel i am sure mrs featherstone will give me a card for you if she can but i warn you vincent it's not a good play there's one strong scene in the third act and the rest is a long succession of tete-a-tete like a society punch and judy it will bore you i think not said vincent and you won't forget will you of course not she replied there is mrs featherstone coming in now i will ask her at once 
but mrs featherstone had an air of suppressed flurry and annoyance which was discouraging and gilda's handsome face was dark and a little defiant as she followed her mother into the room can you get away from all these people for two minutes said mrs featherstone after the first greetings i've something to tell you mabel took her through the rooms out upon a balcony overlooking the garden and screened from the sun by a canvas awning we shall be quiet here she said mrs featherstone did not speak for some moments at last she said oh my dear i don't know how to tell you i can't talk about it with ordinary patience yet only think our foolish self-willed gilda told us this morning that that mr caffin had proposed to her and she had accepted him after all the offers she has refused isn't it too shocking to think of and she won't listen to a word against him the silly child is perfectly infatuated what does mr featherstone say asked mabel to whom the news was scarcely a surprise my dear he knows very well it is all his fault and that if he hadn't taken the young man up in that ridiculous way all this would never have happened so of course he pretends not to see anything so very unsuitable about the affair but he doesn't like it really how can he gilda might have married into the peerage and now she is going to do this i'm almost afraid these theatricals have brought it on mabel was scarcely sorry she was fond of gilda and thought her far too good for harold it may come to nothing at all she said as the only form of consolation she could think of if i could hope so sighed the distressed mother but she is so headstrong still he is not in a position to marry at present unless robert is insane enough to advance him to one would you speak to her it would be so sweet of you if you only would but mabel felt obliged to decline so delicate a mission and excuse herself then as they re-entered the room she mentioned holroyd's petition mrs featherstone recollected him faintly and was rather flattered by his anxiety to see her play but then he was quite a nonentity and she was determined to have as brilliant and representative an audience as possible for the performance my dear she said i would if i could but it's quite out of the question my list is over full as it is and i haven't an idea where we shall put all the people who will come there's so much talk about it everywhere that we have had next to no refusals but if he's only anxious to see the play and doesn't mind not being seen at all he could get some idea of the treatment next friday if he cares to come to the dress rehearsal you know we arranged to run right through it for the first time we thought of a small impromptu dance after the rehearsals so if mr holroyd would like to come a little earlier i shall be charmed to see him so vincent was brought up to the lady who repeated the invitation to the rehearsal which he accepted as it practically gave him the opportunity he had desired meanwhile gilda had drawn mabel aside towards one of the windows well she said so you have been told the great news mabel admitted this and added something as nearly approaching to congratulation as her conscience allowed ah said gilda you're on mamma's side i am on no one's side said mabel provided he makes you happy which you think rather doubtful replied gilda with a jarring little laugh really mabel i do think you might resign him a little more gracefully i'm afraid i don't understand you said mabel proudly no said gilda 
"'You are very innocent, dear. "'I can't undertake to explain. "'Only I am not altogether blind.' "'I hope not,' said Mabel, and left her. "'She was afraid that if she stayed "'she might be tempted to say "'what could do no possible good now.' Mrs. Featherstone had gone, with a gracious reminder to Vincent of his promise to come to the rehearsal. It was late in the afternoon, and everyone seemed suddenly alarmed at the idea of being the last to go, the consequence being that the rooms were cleared in an astonishingly short time. Mabel stopped Vincent as he too was preparing to take his leave. "'You must stay till Mark comes back, Vincent. He has taken Dolly to the Academy, really.' i believe to get away from all this you haven't seen dolly since you came back and she's staying with me for a few days you won't go away without seeing her vincent had been disappointed at not seeing her at the langtons the day before and waited willingly enough now it would be some comfort to know that the child had not forgotten him and would be glad to see him he had not long to wait a hansom drove up and the next minute dolly came into the room with all her old impetuosity i've come back mab she announced to prevent any mistake on that head we drove home all the way in a black cab with yellow wheels didn't you see it oh and in the academy there was a little girl with a dog just like frisk and i saw a lot of people i knew and don't you see someone you used to know said mabel breaking in on her stream of reminiscences have you forgotten me dolly said vincent coming forward out of the shade his voice was a little harsh from emotion the change in the child's face as she saw him was instantaneous and striking all the light died out of her face she flushed vividly and then turned deadly pale you knew vincent wasn't dead really dolly said mabel yes whispered dolly still shrinking from him however and is this all you have to say to me dolly said vincent who was cut to the heart by this reception nothing was the same not even the love of this child dolly had not been long in recovering from the effect of caffyn's last act of terrorism for a day or two she had trembled but later when she heard of vincent as going away in italy she could feel safe from his anger and so in time forgot now it all revived again he had sprung suddenly from nowhere he was demanding what she had to say for herself what should she do she clung to mabel for protection don't you be cross too she cried promise me you won't and i'll tell you all about it you don't know harold said you didn't and i never meant to burn vincent's letter don't let him be angry vincent was naturally completely bewildered what is she talking about he asked helplessly i can guess said mabel come away with me dolly and you shall tell me all about it upstairs and as dolly was not unwilling to unburden herself this time they left vincent with mark who had just joined them mark was uncomfortable and silent for some time when they were alone but at last he said i suppose you have been told of the the theatricals i i couldn't very well help it you know i hope you don't mind mind said vincent why should i mind what is it to me now i thought that was finally settled at laufingen i felt i must explain it that's all said mark and and i've a great deal to bear just now holroyd life isn't all roses with me i assure you 
if you could remember that now and then you might think less hardly of me i will try vincent had said and was about to say more when mabel returned alone her eyes were brilliant with anger children can occasionally put the feats of the best constructed phonograph completely in the shade everything that Catherine had told her about that unfortunate burnt letter dolly had just reproduced with absolute fidelity i know what happened to your letter now vincent mabel said mark you never would see anything so very bad in the trick harold played dolly about that wretched stamp see if this doesn't alter your opinion and she told them the whole story as it has been already described except that the motives for so much chicanery were necessarily dark to her a little comparison of dates made it clear beyond a doubt that an envelope with the ceylon stamp had been burned just when vincent's letter should in the ordinary course have arrived and dolly says he told her himself it was your letter concluded mabel ah said vincent not that that proves it but i think this time he has spoken truth only why has he done all this why suppress my letter and turn dolly against me malice and spite i suppose said mabel he has some grudge against you probably but go up now vincent and comfort dolly you'll find her in my little writing-room quite broken-hearted at the idea that you should be angry with her vincent went up at once and was soon able to regain dolly's complete confidence when he had gone mabel said to mark harold has been here very often lately dear i tried to think better of him when i saw you wished it but i can't go on after this you see that yourself don't you mark was angry himself at what he had heard now he knew how harold had contrived to get rid of dolly that afternoon in south audley street it made him hot and ashamed to think that he had profited by such a device he certainly had from motives he did not care to analyse himself persuaded mabel to tolerate caffin as a guest but lately even mark could no longer pretend that his visits were not far more frequent than welcome something of the old uneasiness in caffin's presence had begun to return though mark did not know why at times before his marriage he had had moments of panic or mistrust but he always succeeded in forgetting the incidents which had aroused them if caffin suspected anything about illusion he would have spoken long before he told himself after the interview with holroyd at laufingen he had ceased to think about the matter he was safe now what harm could anyone's mere suspicion do to him and yet for all that he was not sorry to free himself from further intrusions of a visitor in whose glance he sometimes surprised a subtle mockery almost as if his friend had actually detected his secret and was cynically enjoying the humour of the thing it was only imagination on his own part but it was not a pleasant fancy he's an infernal scoundrel he said with an indignation that was only very slightly exaggerated you are right darling you shall not have to see any more of him but can't he be punished mark asked mabel and her eyes shone mark coughed if this affair were brought to light some of its later stages might not appear entirely to his own credit i don't quite see what he could be punished for he said not for stealing a letter she asked it was no less rather difficult to bring home to him he said couldn't be done without a frightful amount of of scandal and unpleasantness no said mabel thoughtfully i suppose nothing can be done 
and yet poor gilda do you know she is actually engaged to him it's dreadful to think of that now at least he shall never come here again and mother must be told too when i take dolly back you will tell him mark when you meet him that he is not to call himself a friend of ours any longer you will make him understand that won't you can't you tell him yourself at one of the rehearsals asked mark i would rather you told him dear she said and there are no rehearsals till friday oh said mark very well darling i will of course i will he was already beginning to feel that the interview might not be altogether agreeable End of chapter 37